Welcome to Back Chat. I am Jason Smith, and joined as always by Paul Ray. What's going on, Paul? Not much, not much. Just uh, looking back in horror at how long it's been since we've uh, put out an episode of Back Chat. It's been a couple minutes, hasn't it? Uh, yes, uh, minutes indeed. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, well, I don't even have an excuse, man. We've had everything from moving to jobs to illness to injuries to computer problems to to like anger to <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh the seven stages of procrastination yeah precisely yeah so on, uh, on the bright oh, side ahead. though i'm just i'm looking back at the the last game the last game that we covered and the switchbacks haven't lost since then yeah we could be the combo breaker oh man we could Should we just the... stop right now? Yeah. <laughs> just wrap it up. Just wrap it up. Let's just cover the uh, the home opener, 3-1 loss to New Mexico, and uh, never speak of this podcast again. <laughs> that was the last game that we covered, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. So in the, uh, in the meantime, the Switchbacks have played five games. That's five um, with a capital F. f um, and boy, what games have they been? Um, they're, they're the, uh, uh, it all started in June uh, when the Switchbacks got our first points at home in a 1-1 draw against San Antonio. And then went on the road and scored a 1-1 draw against El Paso. Came back home, or no, we stayed on the road. No, no, we came back home after that Was one. it at home? Okay. Yep. I'm getting yeah, mixed that's, up. That's uh, how much it is. It's just a blur. It's, it is a blur. No, we yeah. were we were relatively pleased with the, the point away from home against uh, who were at the time, uh, and I believe still are, um, our conference or division leaders, uh, whatever you want to call that, El Paso Locomotive. Um, no, came actually, home to play Tacoma Defiance. Place. They're not yeah. in first place anymore. Nope. They were at the time. They were at the time. They're, and they're, they're the only undefeated team in the USL. Um, they stand at 15 points, uh, and they've played one less game than we have. So um, they're definitely a formidable opponent. Um but we tied them on the road, uh, one to one, in in a in a very good game. Came home and faced the Tacoma Defiance, formerly known as Seattle Sounders two, and beat them <laughs> in a resounding four to two uh, game. Went that to, was that was a blast of a game. That, yeah, that was a uh, the first home game, uh, first home first winner. home win. Yep, at Widener Field. Um, that was that was a magical feeling. I haven't felt that way at a game afterwards since. Gosh, I had uh, the last time we we beat, uh, or not the last time, but when we beat Seattle Sounders two in the playoffs in 2015 um, yep. at home, it was kind of that same feeling, that like celebratory, joyous feeling. Um, Next, we travel on the road and went down to play Austin, the other Austin team, the Austin Bold. Um, 
and pulled out a remarkable victory. Uh, played down down a man for close to seventy minutes and scored a a uh, I think it was officially a stoppage time goal um, against them to win three two. And finally, uh, coming back this this uh, past Friday. Uh, New Mexico has made its return to Widener Field, and uh, in a rainy, storm-delayed game, we ended up defeating them 3-1. to one. So if you're counting at home, that is five straight, uh, five games, five un- game undefeated streak that we're currently on. A, uh, and a three-game win streak. And a three-game win streak. Um, which which is all the more remarkable looking at... It, it would already be remarkable if, uh, if the only significance to the Austin game was that it was away from home. Um, but that was a, a, a come-from-behind victory while down a man. Yep. Um, and I believe... The the winning goal was scored in the 90th minute. It was the the stoppage time board had not yet been shown, hmm. um, and that that game was just a. I let's just say I was I was tempted to turn it off early, uh, and and was very very glad that I did not. Um, yeah, uh, it was just an absolute statement win, uh, and and, you know another. Um, Another indication that, at least right now, it looks like this team is being carried by our front three. Yeah, and 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 kind of the remarkable thing also is that we are really in the midst of an injury bug. Um, the it's hit the team pretty hard. We've had we ha- we haven't had the services of Jordan Burt full time. Um, we haven't had. Uh, Jose Torres. We haven't had Zach Zandi. Uh, a number of other players have been in and out of the lineup. We didn't have a full bench at home uh, due to the amount of injuries uh, that we've sustained. So most of those injuries have taken place on the back line and, and in the midfield. Um, but uh, the fact that we've managed to keep it together and and improve on it is is really remarkable um, yeah and and we've had some guys step into um into positions that may not be their their primary um matt mahoney playing as a center back um, when he's usually out wide uh, for the past couple of games um and he's and he's done well he's played well yeah um, not the tallest guy in the world but um definitely <laughs> played well put into a, a situation that may not be his ideal. Yeah, they, moving Ronnie Argetta back to to left back after Batista got the red card against Austin um, was just about as anachronistic a uh, position change as I've seen with the switchbacks uh, in quite some while. I, I, almost Jordan Burt esque in in the way that he uh, played a position that they probably never played. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and he and he didn't do too poorly either. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't um, a liability back there. No. I, almost any other situation, you see a, a midfielder who's never played defense in his life get thrown into a into that kind of position, especially with the way the way that the modern game is played with a lot of pace on the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, you would you would assume that he would become an instant liability, and and that was definitely not the case. Yeah. So um, 
Turns out, uh, big news, Ronnie Argetta is good at soccer. I yeah. would have thought. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's he he's he's had to come in, especially the past three years. Um, well, really, almost all his career, he's had to come in and like reprove himself for every home game or every every uh, season that we've had, where he's had to come into camp and and really prove himself to whoever the coach is, whether it was Trichu, Koch, or uh, or, or Brendan Burke. But um, every time he's been put to to the test, it seems like he's coming through again and again and and may not be the uh, you know the the regular starter that he's been in season past he's still a valuable uh, asset to the team and still getting getting uh, minutes in fact the, the game against Austin was his first start of the season and I have a feeling had it not been for the red card and, and needing to move Tristan Hodge back to to replace him at, at left back um Probably we would have seen the majority of the action in that game. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, the uh, we won't go too in depth into into the five games, but um, I think we should uh, probably cap off or begin it with the fact that starting in June at that that one to one tie against San Antonio, I think that that's one of those ties that felt like a loss, and afterwards. Um, I know you and me were just absolutely livid at the way it went down. Um, it was Haji Berry scoring early in the game, like in the first five minutes, uh, um, and us giving up the tying goal uh, at late in the game in the closing yeah, minutes. It, very the 80, 88th minute. Well, and that, that game also was just, in general, kind of a, to pardon my language, kind of a shit show. Yeah. Um, that, in in the in stoppage time of the first half, we had a player sent off. They had a player sent off for violent conduct. Um, it was it was not a pretty it was not a pretty game um, yeah. by any means. Uh, and to hold them at bay for 88 minutes and then concede the the equalizer to drop those points at home. Um, I, I think we we commented it's about as switchbacky as you can get. It, yeah. That's that's just what, unfortunately, what we have come to expect over over the years um, watching the switchbacks. Um, but from that point on, uh, up until now, it has been like a, a the the poster child of what we have what we don't expect from the switchbacks. We we don't expect grabbing valuable points away from home against really tough opposition. We don't expect come from behind victories. Uh, and we got two of those in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, you, you can't, you can't get discouraged the same way that you might have a season or two ago, because this is, this is a different, not only a different coaching staff, but this is a, this is a different attitude. The, this team is just different. Yeah. Well, I think for most of the years that we've been, we were successful or moderately successful, I, our signature has always been our defense um, and doing everything we can to to keep the other team from scoring and then to po- poach a goal here and there. Um, and that's not the case this year. Um, and we've, uh, you know, quickly learned that uh, how – let's put it this way. I remember when uh, in the offseason – 
uh, word came down that we had traded away two players, uh, Hiroki, uh, Hiroki Yamamoto. Is it Yamamoto? I'm probably getting the name wrong. I don't have it in front of me. And Aiden Daniels, we had traded them to to Oklahoma City for an international slot and cash. And I and I had heard rumors that it was made to clear up space to sign Haji Berry. And I was just beyond thrilled and uh, beside myself to hear that. And I know a lot of people were like, "Why are we giving up? You know this." all these this players for nothing and i'm like just just it's, wait. it's not for nothing <laughs> just wait i, I was i be... was guilty of that i aiden daniels was one of the most promising young players we had and at the time i was kind of i was kind of ticked about it but yeah yeah um man <laughs> I, yeah. I like i love to be proven wrong in this way definitely and and it's it's haji berry has uh for anyone who's not been paying attention uh he's Got ten goals on the season. He scored in in eight straight games, um, I believe, and, and leads the league in goals. Um, and they haven't been cheap goals either. They've been just absolutely brilliant. Um, on top of that, Michi Galina leads the league in assists, uh, and. Um, Deshane Beckford has has picked up nicely, uh, replacing Austin doing and kind of keeping those keeping uh, Galena and and Barry uh, well fed there in the in on our front line. This is not something we've really ever seen before with switchbacks. Um, so it's no, kind of cool. The, the closest the closest I can remember to this type of offense was the inaugural season. Um, and our, our goals coming, I, I think at the end of the season, it was all like a three way split. We had three guys with 10 goals or more. And it was, uh, it was Miguel, Miguel, Luke Vercoloni, and I can't even remember the third. I don't know if it was Mike there, Seth or not. Yeah, there wasn't um, a third. It was, it was oh. Gonzalez had 10 and Vercoloni had 14. 14. Yeah. yeah. Which a lot of, a lot of Luke's came from the penalty spot, but also a lot came from poaching from, from being in the right spot. But yeah. since then we really haven't had a massive goal scoring threat. Uh, Mike Seth, when, when moved to, uh, to center forward in, um, I think it was the following season. Um, he, he performed very well and was very popular, but we've never really had this level of goal scoring threat. I want to, I want to, obviously last year is weird and, and a lot of comparisons can't really be made, but I just want to say that we, how many games did we play last season? I think 16 total. Uh, I think it was a little, I want to say maybe 24. I'm not sure to be honest. Well, uh, let's see so here. in, in all of last season, I believe the switchback scored 19 goals the entire season. We are eight games into this season and we have 17 um, yeah. t- 10 of which coming from Haji Berry on a seven, seven game scoring streak. The only, the only game he did not score in was our, uh, our season opener where we were, uh, we were beaten three, nothing. Um, it's just tremendous to see this kind of scoring we we've done in, 
eight games what and really in seven games because we didn't score in the first we've done in seven games what almost what we did in an entire season yeah. um this is the, this is not your normal switchbacks team um and the you can see from not just from the 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 big three up front but you can see from from the midfield and even from the de- defense um in the the win against New Mexico, um, Sebastian Anderson had the game of his life, yeah. um, both both defensively and offensively. Um, for a for a fullback to literally save a goal and then provide an assist, um, I mean, you he if Haji Berry hadn't scored a brace, he would have been man of the match. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was that. That that save off the line. I mean, at that point in the game, I believe it was two one or one one. Um, but that could have definitely changed the the outlook of the uh, the game. Um, let's see what else. Uh, you know, it, on the field, there the other thing that I think we see a lot of people talking about. Did maybe not you, lot, Jason? Did you hear? Do you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Oh, that was weird. That was weird. Hmm. I'll have to check and see if that recorded. All right, pick it up. Um, one of the other things that, uh, that's that been a change in the last few games is the start, is that uh, the start of Sean Melvin in goal. Um, over Abe Rodriguez and uh, Andrew Pannenberg. Now, I know you and I have kind of had conversations uh, offline about Sean Melvin, and um, you know, he, he in that that game against uh, Kansas City. No, it wasn't Kansas City. It was um, was it San Antonio? Was his first game? I want to say uh... it was. I don't recall. I don't recall yeah. the line the lineup for that one. Let me verify. Trust but verify. Yeah, yeah. Melvin was in goal against San Antonio. Yeah, I, I, he's been the goalkeeper for this for, for this uh, five game unbeaten streak, and um, hasn't hasn't looked great. Um. It's, it's it's very it's very strange because we the. The most we've been scored against since he's come in was the uh, the two goals from um, two goals from Tacoma Defiance, two goals from Austin Bolt. That's it. we we've only allowed two goals, a maximum of two goals since we started our unbeaten run here. Yeah, he's made some spectacular saves, but he also coughs up rebounds like you wouldn't believe. Um, and I think a large portion of our defensive statistics uh, are coming from the back line, not necessarily from, from Sean Melvin. He's made some outstanding saves. Don't get me wrong. Like he he's made, I think like 15, 15 saves on the season. Some of those were easy. Some of those were absolutely spectacular, uh, but he's also caused a lot of opportunities himself. Yeah. Um, in fact, at least three games, I would have to say the save of the game went to the def- defenders, two of them for Jamie Oxford and one of them, uh, Seb Anderson, just for the yeah. last game. I, it, there's been many times where he's been 
kind of caught between uh, where he should be in no man's land. Um, it's, it's weird when it, when he first came in, I, I, you know, we were talking, well, maybe it's rust, maybe it's rust. I can't totally be, you know, a goal go in and we could say, can't totally be his fault. Um, and just, and he's got, he's improved, but I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. I, I'm kind of on the fence about him uh, being our, our, it's hard to say because he's, he's, you want to have stability back there on the, uh, in the goal. Um, and, and it's clear that Brendan Burke thinks that he is our best shot at winning. And, and, you know, he's not a bad goalkeeper um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I've been looking him up. You know, he, he's played in the USL for years, uh, mostly under the Whitecaps. Um, Whitecaps too. Uh, he's 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 please got a cap for the Canadian national team. Um, you know he's made team of the week, player of the week uh, in previous years. So he's not he's he's not an unknown element. Um, I just think there's there's there there's just something about him that hasn't clicked yet. Um, you know I think he's got good good chemistry with the back line. I think his distribution has been excellent. Um, He's got yeah, some... he he hasn't been putting them putting them all out of uh, out of touch like previously. So yeah, that is, there... that is nice. Yeah, um, but you know his his reaction. He, he he seems to be a split second behind on his reaction times. Um, his uh, his his deflections. Um, I know sometimes you, sometimes I've seen him uh, parry balls away that could have easily been caught. Um, yes, that or, that is one of my one of my pet peeves is he he punches a lot that he could have collected. Yeah, um, and and not always into the best of areas. It, um, it, and one of the things I've noticed about because that's what I thought thought too is is that he's done a lot of these punches on crosses where he ventures out and. What I've noticed in almost all those cases is that he's gone up and he's been muscled out of midair. He's not winning the battle. So instead of being able to catch the ball, he's punching them out. Um, and that's yeah. and that's not great, not ideal. Um, no. And between that and I think the the other thing that's bothered me, um, and I believe has led to at least at least one goal, if not more, uh, if memory serves, is his positioning on dead ball situations, his, his positioning on set pieces has been atrocious. Um, setting, setting, setting up the wall. And then rather than covering the space, not covered by the wall, he stands behind the wall and screens himself. Um, are are you talking about the, the Austin goal that he can, the first goal that he conceded? Yeah. That one free kick. That was, that was a little suspect, but also his, his reactions on corners, he, he always seems to be, he, he doesn't make up his mind. Um, he seems to be questioning whether he should stay between the pipes or go up and grab a cross. Um, and his, his, I think a lot of it stems from where he is positioned when the ball is struck. Um, he, he's not doing himself any favors, basically, um, putting himself in a, in a situation where he needs to cover ground to get to where he should be. Well, or 
recognizing that he's got to um, he's got to cover ground to, to help out his team. Um, and that kind of transitions into one of the other issues that I've seen. I mean, it's it's been a pretty pretty fun streak, but the a couple trouble troublesome things I've noticed, and and they're and they're related. It's basically set pieces, both in defending and uh, and our own set pieces. Um, our, our corner kicks have ninety five percent of them have been played short. And then dribbled in and and played from there, um, and almost almost always losing possession immediately. Yeah, it's I mean it's like play the short, short corner routine. It, it drives me nuts more than almost anything else. Yeah, um, and at first I was I thought maybe it was just a strat for one particular team that we were playing, like like they're a bit more physical than us. But it's been the past four or five games where we have been consistently playing these short corners and again it may be because one of the guys that in, that's injured is our normal uh set piece maestro um or the the what they i, I don't know i don't know it, it's it's the the corners have been it's basically just it's maddening um it's it's not the, a tactical advantage that it, it is for the other team um, and that goes for set pieces too. I don't think we've we've scored on a set piece yet this year. Um, yeah, the only the only dead balls we've scored on have been penalties. Um, yeah, yeah. It, and with the strength and height that we have uh, on our back line and and on uh, on the attack, like Haji Berry is not a short man. No, um, no. It Mishi Galina, I think it's maybe five eleven, something like that. He's not short. Um, and I've seen him jump. He, he is not at a disadvantage against most defenders. Um, why we have to turn every corner into basically when we get a corner, I, I, at this point, think of it as it might as well have been a goal kick for the other team because we're just going to give them possession back. Um, and almost always results in like a breaking, a breakaway opportunity, um, for, for the opposing team because everybody is in the box. Yeah. And it, it just it drives me insane. Just whip a ball in, or if you're going to do a short corner routine, it has to be it has to be quick. It has to be bang bang. It can't be three four passes before it gets in the box. Yeah, um, it's got to be. A you've lost all advantage. Yeah. Um, and they've done it enough to know that that's their strategy that's the game plan it's not a you know call by the guys on the field when they see something um it's it's something that's 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 being they're being directed to do and again it could be due to injury it could just be due to knowing that you know we've got just as good a chances by playing the ball short and trying to get it into the box than we do kicking into the box and losing position that way um, but but you know I mean Haji Berry Mishi Galina uh, even without their immediate goal scoring and assisting abilities they're 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 wizards with the ball on their feet or in their area I mean yeah they just their their existence draws defenders' attention mm-hmm. um, and the way the way that our attack is built right now if one player draws two defenders there's an opening for another guy who can finish. Right yeah. now we have a, we have a front three that uh, they've all scored. They all have 
great finishing ability. We have midfielders who can finish. Um, before this, before this streak started, um, Zach Sandy had a, about a dozen goal scoring opportunities that either were called offside or just took weird deflections. Um, when you've got skill players like that, when you've got flair players like like Mishi Galina and and Deshane Beckford, it opens things up for everybody else on the pitch, and it's it's a joy to watch. Yeah, and, and Zach Sandy's one of the ones that have been injured. Um, yes, yeah. So which is it, it's very unfortunate. That, uh, defending set pieces, corner kicks uh, has not been ideal either. Uh, I think a lot of our goals have come from, or a lot of our, the goals we've given up. Um, you know, there, there was the set piece, the first goal, uh, in Austin, um, where, you know, it, it, it was basically, I mean, it was a great shot, but I, 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 well, I, I disagree about the, the way the camera angle made that kick look, it made it look like he had lined the wall up wrong and had lined up on the wrong side, uh. I th- I think he had lined the wall up on the ro- I think he lined the wall up on the wrong side and um he should have been covering the the left-hand part of the goal um against yeah. the right-footed kick. Uh not saying he would have saved it either either way because it was a, a great goal kick. Or, oh, sorry, it was, a great, yeah, a great a great kick, but um it was. Yeah. It would have been very difficult to stop for any keeper, but you you're not doing yourself any favors by not setting up correctly in the first place. Yeah, and then the the goal that we gave up to Josh Suggs, um, just just on Friday, was another thing. It was defending a corner piece that was clearly you know I mean it was a, a quick rollout uh, through a dummy who who was uncovered. And to Josh Suggs at the top of the box, completely uncovered, and and he just all he had to do was put it in, and um, you know puts puts Sean Melvin in a position where he needs to either make a save of the game or watch it go into the goal, and in which case he's watching him go into the goal. Um, but there's just so many instances of of us not be, of of us not defending set pieces very well, and. Um, even even in uh, live play situations, I feel like our play around the 18, there's been a we, – we press really well far up the pitch, but we do not – we seem to stand back and give guys room to shoot. There have been yeah. so many opposing team opportunities from, you know, 20 yards out, which while those are low percentage chances – if you give a give guys enough chances, some of them are going to go in. Um, and and in this sport, if a team with a good enough de- good enough defense gets lucky on one of those twenty five yard shots, um, you've just thrown a game away by not closing a guy down. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's goes both for set pieces and for live ball situations. Yeah. Um, and the set pieces, it that was it was actually a perfect example of how a short corner routine should go the the Suggs goal yeah uh, it, it, like if you compare that to the way that our short corner routine goes it's night and day it was it's a bang bang play it's passed directly to Suggs with a dummy in between um obviously a, a training ground thing they they practiced this this didn't just come about organically um and it's in the back of the net yeah well and and 
again, uh, it, towards the end of the game, there was this, another moment where Suggs basically got was uncovered. Uh, they had lined up for a corner kick, and Suggs looked like he was going to take it. Um, you know, most Switchbacks fans know that that when he was here, he was the primary corner kick taker. Uh, another guy came in and he kind of w- got off the ball, and you know there really wasn't an effort to cover him. And he managed in that time between coming out of the corner to get let the other player take the corner kick, he had sort of snuck around the mixer completely uncovered and was wide open on the far post. And only because the ball completely missed him and he tumbled into Sean Melvin. Um, you know, did we avoid a situation where we're giving up a goal? It was a very dangerous play uh, where we just let the, we did not mark the, the player up and let him sneak right in. And um, yeah. And I, I, I kind of wonder how, like what, what sort of um, marking style uh, coach Burke is, is trying to use on those set pieces. What most of the time, on a corner, it's man marking. You know exactly who you're who you're defending, um, and you should. If your guy suddenly goes to take the corner, you should probably automatically be taking the guy who's no longer taking the corner. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it it stands to reason that if your guy is no longer there to for you to cover, that you should cover the guy that you know is now yeah. uncovered. Um, well, and but I, yeah, I was... he made it. He made it all the way from the corner flag to the far post without being covered. Yeah. And that's inexcusable in, in a professional team. Yeah. And, you know, my my wife had asked me during one of the games we're watching on TV, she's like, why are, why is, what's with all these short corner kicks? And it was right around the time we started doing them. And I was trying, and, and basically, you know, there's, there's, there's two ways to really, well, three ways to, to cover a, for defense for a corner kick. There's straight man to man, where you 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 say this player's mine, this player's mine, this player's mine, and you cover every single player. There's a zone which is you have a player covering everything. You know that's everything in this corner or this this quarter of the the uh, right in front of the goal. The, you know the back quarter, uh, far post, far post outside, and they're supposed to pick up anyone who comes in their area and also pass them off to the next player. And that's typically done. That's the third way is a mix of the both where you have enough people, you know, covering the, you know, covering players and you have people that are able to mark up a zone in there. And I, and I thought at first that they thought that, that we were playing the short corners because of the zone to try to get the other team out of the zone and back to tr- running a lineup so we could then cross it in. You know, we didn't feel comfortable playing against that that zone. But, you know, every single corner kick for, you know, uh, two weeks, three games has, has been uh, short. you got to say to yourself, there, there's something else going on. As for defending them, we've been playing the, the mixed zone man uh, corner kick. And I think that's where it's getting lost is that, we're we're setting up that uh, uh, either a four or five person zone, and then we're putting three or four on players, and then we're just the zone isn't working. It's not it's not accounting for Josh Suggs coming in and sneaking around the outside when everyone in the stadium can see what he's doing, um, and and you know it's up to. 
you know, uh, uh, Sean Melvin to change that on the fly uh, or to direct, you know, you got you got five on the back post, you know, watch five, watch five. Um, there's just a lot of disorganization all around when 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 the ball is played from a set from from a uh, a set spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and interestingly, um, that that save of the game from Sebastian Anderson, um, it was kind of just dumb luck that he was there because that's probably not where your full sh- fullback should have been um, where that play was developing. Um, well, he, it was just it was the, you know, the result of, of, you know, covering one guy and then dropping off him to cover another that led to him being on the line at that time um, because of the, because of the, the way that they were marking in that situation. Yeah. And, and that was actually because it, that was one of Sean Melvin's misadventures um, where he was going yes. out to, to, uh, um, going out to play to, to where he felt that, that it was just hit between him and, and the, the player, um, the attack where he felt it was just, just between him and the attacker, to, uh, for the goal. And, you know, luckily the defense knew that once he went out that, that to go back and cover the line and, and there was, gosh, I think there was three or four people back there covering him behind the goal. Um, and it just happened to come right at, at Seb Anderson's feet. Um, and he was able to, to kick it away. But, you know, you look at all the, you know, the, the Jimmy Oxford had the two saves, uh, that would have been goals. Um, and those again were, were due to, to a, a Melvin misadventure and yeah. where he's running out, trying to play a ball where he probably either went, he, where he didn't time it right at all. And, you know, he, with the first game he was back, you know, I, I, we talked about him being rusty or him being, you know, not to form. But, you know, he's played now in five games in in three weeks uh, or in a month. And so I got to think some of that rust is coming off and it's starting to come back to him. And, and um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't. I think I think I think Sean Melvin is a perfectly serviceable USL goalkeeper. Um, I would like to have a stud back there. I would like to have a a uh, you know a guy that that uh, you know that we can count on week in week out. Uh, that you know if he makes a mistake, it's like okay, he made a mistake. If he Someone that we know that we're going to be able to depend on, and I'm not sure I'm quite there yet with with Melvin. No, and, and I and I feel like some of it could you would you would hope that it's not at this point in the season, but I feel like some of it may be just self confidence. He he rode the bench behind a 16 year old who's five foot six all last season. Um, you know, I for a guy who has a national team cap who has, who, who's been in the league for a decent amount of time. Um, it's got to shake the self-confidence a little bit and you maybe start to question your own decision-making and, and that could lead to some of those, you know, caught in two minds situations. Yeah. Um, I do think that I am more, he wasn't super inspiring in the, the game that I'm thinking about, but, um, 
the our, our newest keeper, Andrew Pannenberg, mm-hmm. uh, he has the only the only clean sheet on the season um, against SKC two. He only had to make two saves because most of their shots were off target. But with the the opposition he played against in college and and his performances in college, he's he's closer to the the right size for for a keeper. Um, like we we've beaten the the uh, Abe Rodriguez thing uh, to death about his size, but I think that if the opportunity arises for Pannenberg to get uh, a couple of starts strung together, that he could be that guy for us. I think. Yeah. Um, give, give him a few games where, you know, get the defense gives him the same backup that we've been giving Melvin. If he makes a mistake, you've got Oxford back there or, or Seb back there to, to clean up the scraps. If we play as well in front of him as we have in front of Melvin, I think we could have that stud keeper. Yeah. Um, obviously we don't, we don't have enough data to, to go on to make that anything more than, the wild speculation of a optimistic switchbacks fan, but <laughs> that's the, that's my, uh, I guess my two cents on the matter. Yeah. Well, you know, in this season, Melvin did start the, the season, the preseason injured. Um, so it's, it's, um, you know, I'm sure everyone kind of had the idea last year and the previous, in previous year under Trichu that, you know, Abe Rodriguez was kind of, um, I don't know, shoehorned in kind of, kind of. There's pressure to to maybe play him. Um, you know, his his Abe's first start in Phoenix, um, was due to you know injury to to a uh, to um. Oh, not Pawati, but uh, Stuart Seyus. And I'm trying to think of the other keeper we had at the time. But it, it was it was. He, he kind of, you know, uh, made a huge splash. And, you know, from there, it, there was a, it was a lot of banging the drum um, to, you know, uh, Abe Rodriguez was the most popular player on that team um, from the fans' point of view. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the fact that Trichu had to deal with almost – you know, 50% of the team being academy players from, from the, uh, from the Rapids, you know, last year with, with the coronavirus, you know, you had, I want to say that Sean Melvin played, uh, probably split the games with Rodriguez 50, 50 last year. I know he had two clean sheets last year, um, but he didn't have, uh, well, he had the first win of the season. Uh, so I guess he split the wins with Abe Rodriguez, you know, when you got, uh, two, two wins for the season and two goalkeepers. Now what I, I've been meaning to mention this cause it's kind of really bugged the hell out of me. This, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're affiliated with the Rapids, you know, we're supposed to not really supposed to get first pick, but we get, you know, their, their low knees, uh, Andre Rawls, who, when he was here was, very good keeper. I, I really like him. He is a stud goalkeeper at the USL level. Um, this offseason, the Rapids ended up loaning him to the season to Phoenix Rising. And I remember at the time thinking, I want, you know, how that decision went down, if that was um, 
Andre Rawls being like, nah, I really don't want to go back to Colorado Springs after seeing what a, um, how, how that place was run. Or if that was the Rapids saying that they had much more faith that Phoenix was going to be successful than they had in faith that the switchbacks were going to be successful. Um, I'm insulted by both. Yeah. And, and <laughs> but at the same time, ideal. no, um, no one could have, no one could have guessed at the beginning of the season that the switchbacks would look the way that they look right now. Yeah. We, um, we at the beginning of the season were cautiously optimistic, but n- if you were, if your only memory of the switchbacks was what a, a crap show it was when you were here, you wouldn't have had this, uh, this sort of run of results in your mind. Yeah. So I can't necessarily blame them for either the, the Rapids organization or Andre himself for either of those scenarios, you know? Well, it, it, I, I just, I, I got to imagine the conversation between when Brendan Burke came into town and he sits down with Brian Crookham, who, you know, wears the two hats uh, between the Rapids and the Switchbacks. He's the GM of the Switchbacks and the, the director of player development for the Rapids. And, you know, says, hey, I'd like I'd like to take a look at this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And, and I have a, a I don't know. I can't imagine Burke saying I would rather take a Rodriguez the, the over Andre Rawls. Um, because Rawls has a, has a long, has, has a long, you know, uh, his history in the, in the, uh, in the USL. I mean, there's plenty of tape on him and he's been successful at, at, uh, at this level. Um, so I, I don't know, uh, you know, and, and Abe started the first game of the season and had a, uh, disastrous start um not justin luthy disastrous but uh <laughs> disastrous nonetheless but it, that's always been at the back of my mind is uh, you, you know we we there hasn't been as much talk about the partnership with the rapids this year as there have there was the previous two years um last year we they really couldn't show it off because of covid yeah. and because you know the mls was in their yeah. bubble and the usl was in a pseudo bubble um but there really hasn't been that sort of hype about the Rapids, um, and it could be because of the stadium. I mean, there's enough hype there to to run the cup over. Yeah. But, well, there there was a little there was a little hype, but unfortunately, due to I believe injury, uh, Dylan Serna was not able to uh, come on down to the to the switchbacks. There there was some Rapids hype around uh, around well, him. Dylan Cerner wasn't alone though. He was a straight signing. He was yeah. un- unemployed when he came to us. But you know, Seb Anderson is is a great uh, a, a great loan to us. I, I oh, he's he's phenomenal. I don't expect him to even finish the season with us because I expect the Rapids to take him back. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> you got to remember me. he's 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 nineteen years old. Yeah, you know, he he plays like someone way above his his age. Um, and, and, you know, he was on the, he, while he was on the U S under 23, uh, squad that failed to qualify for the Olympics. I mean, he, he had a pretty good qualifying, uh, tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, who else we got? We got, uh, is Mac, Macalina another one of the low knees? Um, 
no, uh, Yapi and um, and Yaya Torre were yeah, both Yaya uh, Rapids Lonies. Yeah, they, um, Rapids acquired Yaya Torre from DC, was it DC United or or Philadelphia? I always get those. I can't recall. Up. He's ours now. Yeah, he he, he <laughs> was kid, a home. That kid's great. Yeah, I mean, they they not only traded for him, but for his homegrown rights as well. Um, and Yaya Torre was another one that was played at the under twenty three level at the uh, um, in the Olympic qualifiers. So, you know, I mean, we do get good young the play, the quality of players we're getting from the Rapids now is definitely different than it was in two thousand nineteen. You know, where definitely. it seemed like before we were getting. 16, 17 year olds who, um, you know, were, were still They're in high just school. Straight academy players, basically. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, a couple of players graduated high school like the day before or, or you know, the day after a game that year. Um, whereas now we're getting players of, of much higher quality, but we're not getting, there doesn't seem to be as much movement between the two, which is what I kind of expected with Brendan Burke's experience with Philadelphia. Um, you know, he, he was the, the coach in, in for the Philly two team, uh, Bethlehem steel. And, uh, it's, I really expected there to be a lot more of the, you, uh, MLS two type of player movement that you'd see, you know, where, um, you got players going back and forth, and especially with injuries now, you think there'd be more short-term loans. Um, so I, that's kind of kind of where I, uh, when I talk about the lack of of the Rapids hype, I don't think we've had anyone come down from the Rapids that's been, um, with the exception of Yaya Torre after the season started, uh, anyone come down that that's that's kind of been to plug the holes. You know, I I saw last night that that. Uh, the Real Monarchs, uh, RSL2, uh, Salt Lake, they they uh, started the youngest goalkeeper in the history of the USL. Um, some, something Beaver is the kid's name. He's 16 years old in one month. But I went to go look up, you know, who he was, and they have like 10 goalkeepers on their roster. And it's, it was a reminder that, you know, these, these, these MLS2 teams are able to just – you know, have it have a continually rotating roster of players, and I really expected that with with Brendan Burke uh, and, and his experience running an MLS two team. And surprisingly, that hasn't happened. Not that I have a problem well, with it. Yeah, but, uh, what I was going to say is maybe maybe unpopular opinion, but I'm glad. Um, yeah. I think that the stability of roster with the players that we have is more important right now. Um, the chemistry that we have right now is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, the first first couple of games of this of the season, we were like, ah, oh, well, you know, the chemistry doesn't quite look right. They they haven't gelled yet. Yeah. Um, if you look at our last three games, I, I'm I think it's pretty safe to sit. Pretty safe to say that our our chemistry is not in question. Um, and if you start moving players up and down every every week there's going to be, there's not going to be chemistry. There's going to be, you know, lack of trust, uh, yeah. as far as if I, I see you're open, if I pass this ball to you, are you going to give it up immediately? Yeah. Or are you yeah. going to actually help us create something? Whereas yeah. right now they know, they know if you pass it to a certain player that exactly what they're capable of doing with the ball. Um, so 
would I would I mind if we were able to draw a player or two uh, with a with a injury situation? Not at all. Um, but I I'm I'm definitely happy with where we're at right now. I I also think there's probably a difference between a true MLS two side and an affiliate agreement as far as the sort of the the structure of those sorts of moves and and how easy or difficult they are to actually get moving. Um, so that that might come into it as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm like you. I'm glad it's not happening. I, I I'm not a Rapids fan. I, I the whole affiliation thing kind of really grated under my got under my skin. Um, and and it may be ending soon too with the announcement of the MLS three. <laughs> they're they're creating a new league to compete with USL League One. Um, but that's for a whole other podcast, um, <laughs> and it's 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 possible that 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 MLS was going to pull out of USL altogether, and uh, we'll go back to being in, in truly independent. Um, you know, you we, you talked a little bit about about uh, gelling and and all that. I one of the things I did want to talk about or at least bring up is that. Not only is, is the team sort of gelling, but I think the attitude of the fans is changing. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, everyone was in love with the stadium. It was, you know, the, the stadium is beautiful. Oh, look at this big shiny ball, fireworks, yay, um, actual restrooms. Uh, but everyone was in love with the stadium, and the stadium was the attraction. And I think now the, the fans and supporters are starting to fall in love with the team itself. Which is yeah, yeah, a pretty and I, good thing. I have seen, I've seen so many social media posts over the last week, um, particularly just after this last game, um, saying literally, "I love this team," or "Man, I love this club," or or whatever yeah. the the verbiage may be, um, myself included. And I that is that's a huge point. Is that and a point that um, not to pat ourselves on the back, a point that you and I have been making for several years is that the product on the field. Um, is just as important, if not more important, than where the game is being played. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's not. I mean, it's 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 if you're playing an exciting brand of soccer and you're getting results, the fans will come. Um, Absolutely, you, and and the fans will hype up other people who may not be interested. Word of mouth is extremely powerful in this type of community that we have mm -hmm. in the Springs. And, and, you know, you've got to put in the, the advertising budget. You've got to put in, um, you know, the, the, the willingness to go out and earn every fan. And I think with the new stadium by proxy, we're, we're, we're starting to do that. Um, you know, I, in one day, I, I think I will see more switchbacks, advertising, branding, uh, you know, on TV, uh, more of that than I have seen probably in the first five years. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and, and more magnets and stickers on cars and, and more people just out around town wearing switchbacks apparel. Yeah. Um, it, it's, and, it's evident. And, and seeing these, not, not just, you know, seeing, you know, I know there's a there's a there's a ridiculous amount of supporter groups now. I can't even count how many there is. <laughs> but the fact that it's not 
the, the fact that I'm seeing a lot of a lot of posts on social media, like you said, that are just like, oh, my God, I love this team. I'm so proud, you know, uh, bleed black and blue, everything like that. But it's from people that we haven't seen before. It's from new people. It's not, you know, the usual suspects that have been uh, that have been beating the drum since since day one. You know, um, yeah, uh, you know, the movie Major League where <laughs> they they had the three the three Cleveland Indian fans that were in this you know in the in the stadium by themselves at the beginning of the season and then, <laughs> and then you know more and more people jump on the bandwagon you know where it's, it's no longer just you know the handful of fans that you see all over the place it's 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 a lot more people and um you know it it's the stadium definitely helps that. I think the infusion of money from what from Widener uh, is definitely been helping that, um, and the team's ability to to seem to be more open to what's going on. Um, the fact that the 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 the, ty- the tyrannical reign of the sixteen dollar beer is officially over. Yeah, um, yeah. Imagine blew, imagine that blew me away when I saw that. Uh, that they have lowered the prices of beer um, and alcoholic beverages based on fan feedback. And I, that just... It would not happen three years ago. It just wouldn't. No, no. Um, so it, it's... I, I think the front office is doing good things. Um, and that may be just because they finally have the money to hire people to do the re- do the good things instead of it always being on the shoulders of two people. Um, who've got yeah to yeah if, take if all if all of the business decisions are being made by people with the same last name you've got a problem yeah and uh you know it, it's it's uh it's it's nice it's it's really nice and and you know when we talked to Nick at at uh the media day on our on our interview that's that's uh we've got it posted uh if anyone wants to listen to it but Nick had mentioned you know the fact that when Widener came in and invested more money, how much of a difference that made to just building the stadium uh, instead of, you know, using wood, using steel, you know, st- I mean, st- stupid things like that. And it's the same for the front office. I mean, you know, uh, the, the infusion of capital from, from Widener Homes and, for, and Dean Widener becoming a bigger part of, of ownership, you know, it's, it's a little a change that we haven't seen before, but you know, he's listed under the team website as owner now, uh, along with Ed Reagan and on the USL website. And every time we signed a new player, they, they wanted to thank Ed Reagan and Dean Widener and, and everyone at the, at the organization. So, uh, and, and Dean Widener's not exactly a, um, poor guy. You know, he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if, if you go, everyone should Google Dean Widener net worth and see what he's worth. And you'll see that there, that the word billion is out there. Um, we'll maybe appreciate, you know, that, that he's, how much he's, he's, how successful he's been. Um, and, and it and, doesn't it doesn't seem like he makes th- makes investments that he views as tremendously risky, which means he has a lot of faith in what the switchbacks can do. Yeah. And, and it's, it's he doesn't he doesn't do things that are low quality. Um, no, I, I, I've been 
when I was trying to figure out, you know, like when they talked about how Dean Widener donated the the sculpture, the the epicenter sculpture, and he paid four point five million for it, I thought, okay, well, so like, how, like one, like why why is he doing that, and how much is Widener really worth? So I went looking at some some properties of there, some rental properties, and most and all of them are exclusive high end. Um, you know, and they have they have several properties in Oklahoma City, and um, you know, Oklahoma City the cost of living is significantly cheaper than it is here in Colorado Springs. I mean, you can you can buy a house there easily for forty fifty k um, in a decent neighborhood. You know, uh, um, and shit. My my brother bought bought an acreage, and my dad bought an acreage out there in Edmond, which is the the nice part of town. For you know, uh, my dad got one and a half acres and my brother got like three for uh, around a hundred grand each. So the cost of living is significantly cheaper in Oklahoma city and Oklahoma in general. Um, their apartments, their one bedroom apartments located downtown that Widener has start out at two grand a month. So um, they're on a different level than anything I've ever dealt with. And just looking yeah. at all his national listings, they are high end properties and I can't imagine he would want anything with his name and face attached to it to be subquality. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah. and you got to believe that the the more successful the team is on on the pitch, the more fans that are brought in, the more investment he's going to be wanting to make. Uh, it's sort of that the self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. If you if you win. You win, people pay attention, owner wants you to win more and invests more. Um, and, and hopefully the cycle repeats, you know? Yeah. Um, and man, it sure doesn't hurt to be able to, for the last several weeks, be able to post highlights of a just high flying win. Um, that, that definitely isn't hurting the, the publicity and the, and the image of the team that he is now a uh, part owner of. Yeah. And, and he's going to be, a. I mean, he's, it hasn't been mentioned much, but he's a big part of not just getting the stadium downtown, but, but Widener is going to be all over the, 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 the footprint it's going to have downtown is huge. Not just the, the condo slash apartment, whatever high rise they're building uh, just to the South of the stadium. The Widener's is building out the dorm, the new dorms for uh, Colorado College, um, as you know, as well as you know all the surrounding facilities for the uh, new arena that's going in there, the new hockey arena that's going in. Um, a lot of the new downtown places are, are Widener properties, so um, you know he's put they've been putting money into downtown, and it's it's going to be. Um, real evident um, the further along we go into uh, into the, into future years when it comes to what's going on downtown. Um, Absolutely, they they have a vested interest in in the future of Colorado Springs, um, yeah. and that that definitely feels good. Yeah. So, um, as we've been mentioning, switchbacks are on a five game unbeaten streak. Uh, for some historical reference, the last time we were on an unbeaten streak was in 2017 at the beginning of the season. 
Uh, we had on a, we we uh, had a six game uh, unbeaten streak, um, but nothing will ever compare to the six game winning streak that we had at a uh, at um, in in June of 2015, the the inaugural season. Um, we went undefeated, unbeaten, untied in the entire month of June, and um, right now that is our. To me, that that I mean, that's the longest winning streak we've ever had is six games, and uh, the longest unbeaten streak we have is six games. And right now, we are one point away from tying that. So to kind of put this in historical perspective, we haven't quite seen a start like this since 2017 at best, and that that was a season that went off the rails pretty early. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, and and to in order to find the previous season to that where we did that well, we ended up in the playoffs. Um, and, and that's obviously what everyone wants. Um, and it's what we've been begging for in all these seasons that things have gone off the rails. All the things we, I, I think if you go back to any, any individual season in the last couple of years, you'll find an episode of back chat where we're saying if we could just string a couple of wins together, yep. um, it, it's, it's amazing what that does for, the mentality of a team and, and of the fans, um, fans cheer a lot harder when, you know, that streak is on the line. Um, and when, when you're constantly being beat, you could have a full house and it could be silent. It could just be a bunch of people basically, you know, clinching, waiting for the, waiting for the knockout blow to come. Um, so it's, it's, it's a big deal, and uh, our our next opponent is they're no slouch. Um, we've got Orange County um, coming up next Thursday, I believe, July first. Is that yeah, correct? Thursday. Am I? Thur- yeah, Thursday, and then we have a another game on Sunday, the fourth of July, uh, against. I'm staring right at it. Against Salt Lake City, they come to town. Um, yeah, and, and Orange County is is second in the Western Pacific Division um, behind Phoenix Rising. Phoenix is just on an absolute tear. Um, but Orange County has uh, the exact same record as us, um, same goal differential as us, but on, on fewer goals and fewer goals allowed. Their defense is very stingy. Um, so they're going to be put to the test against uh, the likes of Mishi, Galena, Haji Berry, and DeShane Beckford. Yeah, and, and there's only f- f- four teams in the USL right now that are on five-game unbeaten streaks. Uh, us, El Paso, Orange County, and San Diego are those four. So, so it's going to be a pretty big matchup. Um, yeah, well, somebody's somebody's streak is ending. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, well, we or just, well, if it ties, I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> We don't want that. Yeah, yeah, we want three points, but um, we want it all. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know, there, is there anything else that you wanted to go over, man? Um, we kind of covered a lot here. It's uh, we we were we were forced to cover a lot here by our own uh, by a situation of our own making. We're actually uh, coming coming in under our normal ninety minute time. I'm very impressed. I almost feel I almost feel bad uh, wrapping it up uh, early. Um, yeah, I guess just 
wanted to to look at that that Orange County matchup. They, it is uh, as the switchbacks go into what is it three three in a row at home. Um, mm-hmm. So taking taking an opponent uh, from that that plays basically at sea level um, up to six thousand thirty five feet. Um, you know, we I gotta believe that uh, it the game is there for us to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the win streak is there for us to to continue, and the way that the table is falling uh, around us, you know we we're already right now in the playoff conversation, but we could really solidify ourselves uh, as as one of the top teams in our in our conference, our division here. Yeah, I think we're at the th- a third of the way through the season, thirty two games, eight, eight games in. So yeah, we're yeah, yep. We're a third of the way through, um, and, and you know this isn't the first time we've seen Orange County this year, uh, and not even the first time Orange Counties came here. They came here for the lone preseason game at at Widener Field, and that ended up being a two-two draw with them scoring in with with Orange County scoring in the final minutes to to walk away with a tie. So, um, yeah, and if they if they did that against. Uh, our no chemistry, uh, just learning to play with each other team. You know, I think I like our chances with our, the chemistry we currently have and the hype we currently have. Yeah. So show up for that game. Um, as always, there'll be fireworks, you know, around the field. Hopefully there'll be some fireworks on the field and, um, you know, the, Switchbacks are building that culture, building a culture of winning, building a culture of excitement, and um, I'd like to really keep it going. Haven't seen this in in many years, so it feels good. It, it, feels it good. finally it finally feels good to be a Switchbacks fan. I think uh, I think one of your tweets from from earlier this week really sums it up. And uh, you said, "Thank you, Switchbacks, for justifying my love." Yeah. <laughs> Because you know sometimes it's it's kind of hard. It's it's kind of hard. You know, it's like all right, go switchbacks, and then you know it's you you get twenty twenty, and yeah. then it's like yeah. well, this this really added to my misery. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a fun year so far, and uh, you know we're we're a third of the way through it, and we've it's still a long season. You know, the season doesn't end until October thirtieth, which is our last game. So just to put it in perspective, you know, it may seem like we're walking on air or walking on sunshine right now, but there's, we've still got plenty of, of, uh, games left to play. And, um, so, all right, I think we'll go ahead and wrap that up. Um, we'll see you out on wider field on July 1st or the 4th of July. And, uh, for back chat, I am Jason. I'm Paul. And we'll see you there later. Hey, hey, switchbacks. No.